Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 21. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. When you see a politician campaigning, what does that mean? Election is near. So when you see, when you see the, the cataclysmic events happening, it's this simple, saints. When you see these cataclysmic events happening in the earth that Jesus previously talked about, that, and we've talked about, we know that the kingdom of God is near. This is exactly what he said. Now there will be people, listen, understand, there will be people who will miss the rapture of the church. The rapture of the church, okay, let's get this clear. The rapture of the church and the second coming of Jesus are two different events. The rapture of the church could take place in the moment in a twinkling of an eye. In any moment, the Bible says that God, the trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ will rise first and then us folk who are still alive and remain will be caught up together to meet the Lord as a bride in the air. That's the rapture of the church. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. You ought to be excited about that. And that could happen, listen, anytime. If you're a believer, you could be snatched. And the word rapture literally means to be violently snatched away. If you are a believer, now if you're not a believer, you're not going in the rapture. Let's get clear. Pastor, just keeping it real. But if you're a believer, you'll be snatched off the earth just like that. The rapture of the church is when Jesus is coming for the church. The second coming is different. It's when Jesus is coming with the church. Jesus is coming physically and bodily. He is coming with the church in the second coming of Jesus Christ. And there are some people who are going to miss the rapture. I remember talking to a guy some time ago, and I was telling him, I said, you know, you know, you, you know, tell him about the end times and so on and so forth. And I said, you don't want to miss the rapture. And I said, don't you want to know Jesus now so you can miss the rapture? And he said, no. He said, you know, I, I'll, I'll take my chances. I'll, I'll, I'll take my chances. I said to him, I said, you know, that is the stupidest thing I ever heard in my life. You'll take your chances. You want to be here during the seven years of what the Bible calls the time of Jacob's trouble. You want to be here during the tribulation when literally all hell will break loose. No, I'm not cussing. I'm telling you what's going to happen. He said, oh, I'll take my chance. Not everybody is going to be in the rapture. Not everybody. Some people are going to go through the tribulation 
And hopefully, when they witness, we've talked about this, these false Christs, or what I call the Emmanuel imposters, when they see wars and devastation and, and disaster beyond all comprehension and wide, worldwide chaos, they will hear about the Antichrist. Hopefully, hopefully when they hear that the Antichrist is making, you know, uh, bringing peace to the Middle East and solving the big rock problem, of the Dome of the Rock and the temple being established on, on, on what is Mount Moriah right there together. When that person comes and solves that problem, the Jewish people are going to hail him as the Messiah. And hopefully when that person who took their chances, when they hear about these things, that they will think about the conversations that I've had with them. Hopefully they will smarten up and run to the Calvary bookstore and get my CDs on Revelation and listen to them. And by the way, you can have them for free. You can take every matter of fact, you can have everything in there for free. Because I ain't going to be here. I'm not going to care. I will not be here to collect the money. So anything you want, I don't know. I'm not going to be here. Y'all going to be here? Where, where my people at? Y'all, I, I'm not going to be here. You can have it all. You can have my house. Are you homeless, sweetie? Because I got an extra room. I mean, you can have it after I'm raptured. You can't have it now. Not unless you want a payment. And, uh, but you can, you can have it all. Hopefully they'll listen to those CDs, understand that the things that we've been talking about and the things that the scripture has said are true, and they'll repent and they'll be saved and they'll be ready to meet the Lord when he comes in his second coming. Just as the fig tree has tender branches and with new leaves, you know that summer is near. So the generation of the people who live during and through the tribulation will see the coming of Jesus Christ. Now listen, you're free to disagree with me. There are people who disagree with this position, and you're free to do that. The Lord will work it all out and show you that I'm right, and it'll be all over with. But you're free to disagree with that. Most Some people disagree with that. Look at verse 33. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will, somebody say it with me, never pass away. Isaiah, write it down. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. It says this, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands for a short period of time. Is that what it says? The word of our God stands for how long? Forever. Now, the second law of thermodynamics says that everything is going from order to disorder, from order to disorder. We can see that the paint on your house is peeling. The car is rusting. The weeds are growing. Your hair goes from a nice, thick, luscious head of hair to this. (laughs) Those of you that have nice, thick, luscious hair right now. This is what you got to look forward to. You got a six pack and you think you all ripped up. Yeah. You think you all ripped up, you got a six pack? Well, listen, your six pack will one day be a one pack. Just a one pack because 
The thermo, second law of thermodynamics says everything goes from order to disorder. Man is frail and fleeting and things are fading, but the only thing that lasts is the word of God. Can somebody say amen? amen. The word of God. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. Yes, I will. The word of God endures forever. In the Greek language, the word forever means forever. In the book, Evidence Demands a Verdict, Josh McDowell, perhaps you're familiar with him. Josh McDowell wrote this, talking about the word of God. Written on material that perishes, having to be copied and recopied for hundreds of years before the invention of the printing press, did not diminish its style, correctness, or existence. The Bible, compared with other ancient writings, has more manuscript evidence than any ten pieces of classical literature combined. God's word endures, and it doesn't change. In 303 AD, the Roman emperor Diocletian demanded that every copy of the scriptures in the Roman Empire be burned, and he failed. And 25 years later, the Roman Emperor Constantine commissioned a scholar named Eusebius to prepare 50 copies of the Bible at the government expense. God's word endures. Voltaire, you know that name? The skeptic, the French skeptic and infidel who died in 1778 said that a hundred years from his time, Christianity would be swept from existence and passed into history and that the Bible would be forgotten, a forgotten book. Only 50 years after his death, get this, saints, 50 years after his death, the Geneva Bible Society used his press and his house to produce stacks of Bibles. God's word endures forever and God has a sense of humor. I love that. Someone once wrote this, infidels for 1,800 years have been refuting and overthrowing this book, talking about the Bible, and yet it stands today solid as a rock. Its circulation increases, and it is more loved and cherished and read today than ever before. Infidels, with all their assaults, make about as much impression on this book as a man with a tack hammer would on the pyramids of Egypt when the French monarch proposed a persecution of the Christians in his dominion, an old statesman and warrior said to him, Sire, the church of God is an anvil that has worn out many hammers. And so the hammers of the infidels have been pecking away at this book for ages, but the hammers are worn out and the anvil still endures. If this book has not been, had not been the book of God, men would have destroyed it long ago. Emperors and popes and kings and priests and princes and rulers have all tried their hand at destroying this book, but they die and the book lives on. Isn't that right? This is the Bible. This is the Bible. The B-I-B-L-E, basic instruction before leaving earth. The Bible has endured many criticisms. Christianity. People have been trying to destroy Christianity since Christianity's inception. People have been trying to disprove the resurrection since the resurrection happened. And no one has ever been able and successful. Why? Because heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word endures forever. Somebody clap your hands like you know what I'm talking about. Would you do that? God's word endures forever. Now, in the event that you are on the earth during the tribulation, Jesus gives you a word of encouragement. 
Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass. So don't lose hope and don't give up. Your redemption is near. He's talking about the immutability of his word. That word immutability means it doesn't change. In other words, what God has spoken cannot be broken. You need to write that down. What God has spoken cannot be broken. The heavens will pass away and the earth will pass away, but my words won't pass. His word is eternal and infallible. And in his word, he says that he is coming back to the earth and I believe it. I believe it. Where are my people at? I believe it. And people say, oh, you screwball Christians. You've been talking about Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. You screwball Christians. Listen, put me in the category of the screwball Christians. Because I believe that Jesus is coming back someday. And I believe, listen, watch this. You're going to love it. I believe we are closer to the return of Jesus than any other generation that has ever walked the earth. What do you mean, Rodney? What I mean is, there are things that the Bible tells us that need to be in place before the coming of the Lord. Now, yes, the apostles and the prophets have always talked about the coming of the Lord, and I think that's right, because 1 John chapter 3, verse 3 tells us that the, the hope of the coming of the Lord has a purifying effect on us. So we need to continue to talk about the coming of the Lord. But there are things that needed to be in place before the Lord comes that were not in place 50 years ago, but are in place now. For example, Revelation talks about these two men who are lying in the street dead and the whole world sees them. Well, 50 years ago, that was not possible. Today, that is possible. When I returned from Saudi Arabia for um, Operation Desert Storm, I uh, got home. The first thing I did was turn on the news, and we were bombing some facility in, um, I believe it was El Jubal. We were bombing some facility there. And, and we watched that we, the world, watched that bombing happen in real time. In real time. Well, that wasn't possible 50 years ago. It is possible right now. Things needed to be in place before the coming of the Lord. We've been talking about that for weeks now. So I believe that we are closer to the return of the Lord than any other generation. And you can call me a screwball Christian all you want. And I will tell you this. I believe that you are a screwball if you believe that a man is going to come and bring peace to the entire world. That one man is going to come and settle all the problems between the, 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 the nations. Listen, there will never be peace. Listen, there will never be peace on earth until the Prince of Peace is reigning on the throne. Never. There'll always be wars and there'll always be rumors of wars. Jesus is coming again. And so... Here we have in verse 34 through 37, we just read it. Take heed, go ahead and look at verse 34. Take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down. Listen, if you know that Jesus is coming, take heed to yourselves. It doesn't say take heed for your wife. It doesn't say take heed for your husband. It doesn't say take heed for your children or your best friend. This is a personal application 
Take heed to yourselves. It means to be on guard. Don't get lazy. Don't give up. Don't cave in. Lest your heart become heavy and weighed down with carousing or drunkenness. And that day, the word that day refers to the tribulation. That day comes upon you unaware. The idea here is as we look at the condition of the world and we know that Jesus is coming back, that it should have an effect on the way that you live. His return should have an effect on your present and on your future. And that should cause you to keep looking for Jesus so that you can be ready and if you, don't, uh, if you don't keep looking for him and have that hope of his soon return, you'll become depressed. You'll become worried. You'll become burned down. You'll become dull. Listen, we got to be careful concerning worry and anxiety. Because worry, somebody, this is for you. Worry and anxiety can be used as a tool of Satan. Satan will use doubt and discouragement to weigh you down and you'll miss out on the plan and the purpose that God has for your life. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Worry can weigh you down and you get all caught up in the cares of this life. And what about this? And what about that? And what about this? Don't you know, first of all, this is not your home. The Bible says we are strangers and pilgrims passing through. If you're a Christian, this is not your home. This is like apartment living. You know, when you live in an apartment, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. You live in an apartment. You don't get comfortable. And there ain't nothing wrong with an apartment. Don't misunderstand me. Lived in one for many, many years. Several. But you don't get comfortable in an apartment. You don't paint the walls the way you want and do whatever you want to do in an apartment. Why? Because it ain't yours. It's not your home. So you live there, but you don't get comfortable there. For the Christian, we live in this world, but we are not of this world. We're not to get comfortable in this world because Jesus is going to come back someday and take us to be with him in our home in heaven. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Is that right? Our home is in heaven. Your home is in heaven. Don't get too comfortable here. You get weighed down with the cares of this world, and it causes you to become depressed. The answer for feeling weighed down isn't getting drunk or carousing or antidepressants. The answer for feeling weighed down is to expect the return of the Lord. The answer for feeling weighed down is somebody wrote a song about it. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of the world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. The more you focus on Jesus, the dimmer the problems and things, they start fading to the background. Who, anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, they just start fading to the background because your focus and your mind is on him. I tell people, look, if you want to have a happy life, live your life backward. What do you mean, Rodney? Live your life from heaven to earth, heavenly minded. Now, don't be so heavenly minded you're no earthly good, because that's weird. The best word I could come up with right there. But live your life so that my mind is in heaven and my thoughts are in heaven. And God, what do you want me to do? And God, where do you want me to go? And God, where do you want me to place my, my resources, my time, my talent, my money? How do you want me to live my life, God? Live your life backward from, from heaven to earth. And most Christians live their life from earth and they try to squeeze in a little bit of heavenly thoughts. That's bad. 
And that's what causes you to become weighed down. Jesus said in verse 34, go ahead and look at it. If you're weighed down with the cares of this life, you'll find yourself partying, getting stoned. And that day, the tribulation will come on you unaware. For everyone who lives their life, never giving heed to the gospel of Jesus Christ, never giving heed to the things of God and the warnings in scripture. If you live your life that way, the day of the Lord will come to you unaware. But for the believer, listen, the believer won't be surprised. Because a believer lives in a state of anticipation, watching and ready. Verse 36, watch therefore and pray always that you might be counted worthy to escape. I love that word, escape. Now there are certain views, let me wrap this up for you. There are certain, several views concerning the tribulation and your position as it relates to the tribulation. And perhaps you're taking notes, you want to write down a few things. Some people are pre-tribulationist. Pre-tribulation means that you believe the church will be raptured before the tribulation begins. Pre-tribulation. And then some people are mid-tribulationist. Mid-tribulationists believe the church will be raptured midway point into the tribulation. So if the tribulation is seven years, then halfway, three and a half years, then they believe the church will be raptured at that point, mid-tribulation. And then there are those who are post-tribulationists, they consider themselves. Post-tribulationists believe that the church will go through the seven years of God's judgment on the earth. The church will go through the seven years of God's judgment on the earth, and then they will be raptured and removed from the earth. And then there are those who are pan-tribulationists, and they believe it'll all just pan out in the end, so don't worry about it. We here at Calvary Chapel, we are pre-tribulationists. Why? Because verse 36, please look at it. Jesus said, watch therefore and pray that you might be counted worthy to do what? Escape all of these things. That is a pre-tribulation statement, to escape. And there are some people who say, oh, you pre-tribbers, you guys are all escapists. You just want to escape. And I'm like, and your point is, uh, yeah, I do want to escape. I do not want to be here when God's wrath is poured out on a Christ-rejecting world. I don't want to be here. Yes, I am an escapist. I don't see anything wrong with that. We are a pre-tribulationist church. That's what we believe, that Jesus could come at any time. And I believe that Jesus himself was a pre-tribulationist. Otherwise, he would have said, watch, therefore, and buy weapons and store food and get ready to go through and survive the tribulation. He didn't say that. He said, pray that you would escape it. First Thessalonians chapter five. I'm going to leave you with this. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse nine says, for God did not appoint us Christian folk to wrath, but to obtain through who? Our Lord Jesus Christ. God did not appoint us to wrath. Listen, this message, it will either bring you comfort. This message will either give you affliction. You'll either leave today excited or you'll leave today fearful and frightened. I say leave today excited. I say leave today knowing that your redemption draws near. I say leave today, if you don't know Jesus, I say leave today knowing Jesus Christ. 
I say leave today, even if you've been away from the Lord for some period of time. Maybe you were walking with the Lord for some time and, and you fell away. It's happened to everybody. Everyone has gotten off track and lost their way. And nobody's in a position to judge anybody. Ain't somebody say a better amen than that. Nobody can look at anybody and say, not me, not you, nobody. Everybody has their area that they struggle in. Everybody has some sin in their life. Nobody's perfect. I don't care how big their Bible is. And I don't care how spiritual they look. Some folks like to look spiritual. Just holy. Deep. Look like they've been baptized in pickle juice. Well, praise the Lord. I'm mean, lighting up. How you doing? Mm-hmm. Blessed and highly favored. Whatever. I don't care how spiritual you think you are. The reality is God knows your heart and he knows what's in your heart. And every single one of us need to get it right with Jesus. And every single one of us, we need to be ready when he comes. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.